Hello, and welcome to the latest recording in the Global Perspective series. My name is Matthew Bullock. I'm the EMEA Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy. And today we're joined by Guy Bernard, co-head of Global Property Equities at Janice Henderson Investors. Welcome, Guy. Thank you for having me. So, Guy, I've been really looking forward to doing this particular podcast because there's so much to talk about in the world of property right now. And we're recording this podcast mid-November 2023 here in the UK. And over the last few weeks in particular, but you could also take this out to months, there have been plenty of articles about property and they've not all been that positive. Investors are falling out of love with property funds. Yep. An increase in insolvent German house builders, an increase in delinquent commercial real estate loans in the US, the demise of WeWork. Now, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I could keep going, <laughs> but, but it sort of all goes to the question of, well, why are we here and why are we talking about property? It's certainly been a sector that's made the headlines over the course of 2023. Um, and often it's been in the headlines for the wrong reason. You know, the, the challenges in commercial real estate, uh, the threat of wider distress from commercial real estate have clearly been some big themes. Um, in markets and in, in the press, uh, say, in, in recent months. And I think really for, for us, what we've tried to do this year is to, I guess, look beyond the headlines and to make it clear that the headlines a lot of people are reading don't necessarily reflect the reality of the listed REIT sector in which myself and the global team at, at Janice Henderson invest. Um, so, yes, there are risks in commercial real estate, but we think there are also opportunities as well. And I think it's those opportunities uh, which are why we're here today. So what would help the markets stabilise right now? Because that's one of the challenges that investors are facing. I think that clearly the biggest headwind that we faced in, in real estate over the last 18 months has been the rise in, in interest rates and bond yields. Um, you know, I think they've gone further than most of us would have expected um, you know, 18 or 24 months ago uh, in terms of the level and, and speed of those rate rises from most central banks across the world. And certainly our conversation with prospective clients, with companies, is that you know, people are really waiting to see a stabilisation in that interest rate backdrop before they step back in. You know, what we want to see on the real estate side is, is more transactions in the direct property market. We want to see buildings being bought and sold and that giving us confidence in you know, the pricing of real estate in the new backdrop of, of higher rates. Um, but that's something that is taking time. And you know, six mm. months ago, I'd have hoped that was a, a process we were going through in the back end of this year. It feels like that clearly has been pushed into 2024. I mean, that's interesting because when I'm out talking to clients, they're all saying, they understand, and we'll talk about the, opp the opportunities in property, but they understand why well, there could be opportunities, but the biggest concern is when you talked about rates you know, and the, the impact of rates, what if rates don't come down? What if rates stay where they are for the next sort of six or 12 months? Should you hold and wait? A stabilization is a good first step. You know, I don't think you need to be too aggressive in assuming you know, central banks are gonna be cutting aggressively you know, in three, six months time, I think. You know. There are differing views out there as to the pace of those rate cuts as and when they do come. But I think stabilisation is just a really good first step. I think people have not wanted to step in and make the risk of just going too early and being made to feel you know, very foolish very quickly, which has been quite possible in markets over the last sort of six to 12 months. So I think if you get a stabilisation, you then get confidence, you then start to see, as I say, that sort of transaction volume rebuilding. Uh, in, in the underlying um, markets in which we invest. 
And I think at that point, you know, again, we can then see whether these discounts and the valuation opportunity that we see in the REIT market is real and is backed up by, you know, evidence based off, um, you know, the new reality of high rates. So, I mean, a bit later on, I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out, mm-hmm. but uh, staying with the current market environment, what's what's the biggest risk in your mind right now? So what's the thing that sort of you're most worried about and keeping you awake with property? Rates clearly has been the, the biggest challenge for the sector over the last 12, 24 months. And if you do take a more aggressive view that, you know, inflation is going to re-accelerate in the new year and, and rates are going to go higher again, then that's not going to be good news for the sector. Um, but again, there, I think, you know, there are reasons to believe that we are reaching that inflection point and, you know, inflection points normally create opportunities. And as you say, we can talk to that. Um, I think the other piece we've just got to be really, really conscious of is the, you know, the top line, the rental income um, and the rental income growth that our sector can generate. And I think, you know, what's interesting for us is despite the, you know, very disappointing performance of listed REITs over the last 24 months, it's not been an income story. It's not been a, a an operational issue. It's been all around sort of what's the right yield in an environment of higher rates, not do I trust this rental income stream. Um, so actually, we've seen earnings growth from the REIT sector over the last 12 and 24 months. So, you know, looking to next year, um, clearly, you know, I think we are seeing a normalization in economies. We are seeing a slowing in, in many economies around the world. And that is going to create you know, issues in some sectors of the real estate market around that ability to continue to grow your rental income stream. So something we are very focused on as a team is finding those sectors, finding those companies where we believe we can continue to see rental income, earnings and dividend growth, even in a a potentially slowing economy. And just in your response, then you you mentioned listed REITs and I know that's where you sort of yeah. focus on them. We don't want to spend a huge amount of time talking about the listed space versus the private space, but investors out there and you know, a lot of the investors I work with do have private real estate exposures as all uh, exposures as well. Um, do you see a distinction looking forward about the return potential of listed REITs versus the private real estate market? Yeah, very much. Um, you know, we on the listed side are priced every day by stock markets around the world. So 250 times a year or whatever it, it may be. Uh, we are priced based on investors' view of the future and the uncertainties that are you know, existing in investors' mind at that moment in time. You know, that is very different from a private real estate fund valuation where you know, valuations are going to be conducted periodically, be it monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, uh, and they will be based on valuers' backward-looking view as to what's happened in the direct property market um, over that sort of preceding period. So what it means is that the listed REITs in which we invest, you know, react first to changing circumstance. And we saw that last year, the REIT sector began selling off and underperforming really in sort of March, April, 2022, around six to nine months before value is in the direct and private fund world was starting to mark down values. Um, but the good news for us on the, on the public side is the same will happen in reverse. So the REIT sector will typically bottom six to nine months before the direct property market finds its inflection point. And if you believe, as we do, that that inflection point in terms of underlying values is likely to be in the middle of next year, then mm-hmm. it tells you that now is an interesting time uh, to be looking at a sector that has already reacted to higher rates and, in our view, has overreacted to higher rates. So there's a valuation opportunity. 
But then I think what's really important for any investor in property today is to look beneath the hood of what they're investing in. You know, property is not equal across different geographies, across different cities, across different buildings within the same city, uh, and certainly not across different property types. So, you know, we wrote a piece um, several months ago just highlighting that we think the listed REIT sector is in an incredibly strong position in terms of the types and quality of real estate that we get exposure to. So less exposure to those more challenge sectors, the US office market, traditional shopping malls that are facing structural headwinds, and more exposure to those areas where we believe there are long-term drivers of demand that will lead to sustained rental growth. So think of tech real estate, cell towers, data centers, think about uh, you know, affordable family housing, um, think about the industrial logistics market. Um, there is a third point as well, Matt, which is just balance sheets. So, you know, I said earlier, we think it's an environment of risk and opportunity of winners and losers. And we feel really good about the access and cost of capital, particularly on the debt side of the listed REITs. They delevered in the good times. So they've entered a more challenging period with historically strong balance sheets. And we think are going to start to deploy some of that balance sheet strength to acquire high quality real estate from people that need liquidity and need capital. And that's going to be hugely accretive to us as investors over the long term. So I do want to go a bit further into some of those um, sort of subclasses that you mentioned before, because if I look at a number of studies that we do on the team, we sort of look at market sentiment and try to work out when is the best time to start moving into different areas, different asset classes. And what we find is especially a sector, a bit like property, mm -hmm. that is very uh, unloved is probably the nicest mm -hmm. way to put it right now. Sometimes they can be the right entry point, but there's going to be winners and losers with a very big distinction between those two. So I just sort of want to break those two pieces out, the winners and the losers. And maybe if we start with the losers, what are the areas within property that are going to be the losers or you think are going to be the losers in the years ahead and why? I think some of the more traditional property sectors are facing longer term challenges from changes in the way that you know, we all live the way that we work, the way that we're consuming goods and services. So, you know, over the last sort of five to seven years, we've really seen significant structural pressure on you know, retail and in particular sort of larger fashion led shopping malls as the growth of e-commerce has clearly taken a lot of the consumer spend and you know, retailers are investing more in their online and their physical store presence now. Clearly, there's going to be a balance. The best malls are going to continue to exist. They're going to continue to provide you know, a service and an offer to, to customers that they can't get online. But you know, that is clearly an area where there have and will continue to be some, some headwinds in our view. Um, the office sector, as I said, is, is clearly, again, facing challenges from you know, the shift towards more working from home. We think that reduces overall demand for office space. But again, within that office market, what we're seeing is, you know, 80% of the incremental demand today is going towards 15% of the best in class, A grade, you know, sustainable buildings in the right locations in the right cities. So again, you know, even in the office market, we are seeing areas where rents are growing uh, alongside areas where there is almost no price to try and get sort of that will attract um, to attract new tenants. So, you know, some of those traditional sectors are clearly facing um, facing headwinds. Uh, the winners, as I said, at a sector level, we, you know, we're very focused on, on larger structural themes. So, you know, the growth of digitization, as I say, driving demand for, for data centers, that's been an area that's done 
incredibly well this year, probably exceeded our expectations on the back of the sort of NVIDIA AI boom. Um, so, you know, that's an area where we've seen very strong share price performance over the course of 2023. Um, and then, as I say, you know, areas that we've spoken about in the past, industrial and logistics, you know, trends are normalizing after the COVID boom. Um, but we do expect to see a continued sort of reacceleration of, of those rents over time. And those observations you've made about the winners and the losers, does the country depend? Yeah, it does. So again, you know, we, we can talk at a very high level here, but the reality is things are, are very granular in the property sector, location, 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 um, as they say. Uh, so, you know, say within cities, there are going to be areas where there is you know, a lack of available space where rents are going to be growing faster than other parts. You know, across the world, clearly there are different trends. So, <clears throat> you know, the level of vacancy in US offices is north of 20%. In the center of Paris, you know, grade A vacancy is less than 2%. So, you know, again, different markets, there are going to be different dynamics. Um, and, you know, even from a sort of macro and, and yield perspective, you know, Japan's been one of the strongest areas of the global real estate market this year is you know, the central bank is just marching to a very different beat there from, from other parts of the world. And one of the, the winning side, the positive side, you mentioned about sustainability. And I just wanted to spend a little bit more time on that because a lot of our listeners will be uh, very conscious about the impact of sustainability and carbon reduction. And property has a big part to play in that. I think if you look at the sort of physical footprint of, of the real estate market around the world, it's responsible for 30 to 40% of, of global carbon emissions. So um, you know, it is clearly an area where there is going to have to be an investment and improvement in the you know, sustainability credentials of buildings to, um, yeah, to help sort of work towards the net zero ambitions that many countries and, and indeed companies and um, uh, tenants of buildings have. So, you know, we are certainly seeing a continued improvement in the companies in which we invest in terms of the level of disclosure that they're giving us around their sustainability credentials in terms of working towards, again, the Paris Agreement and verifying that with a sort of third party provider. Um, so generally, again, we feel pretty good on the listed side that the companies being public, you know, either by carrot or by stick are moving in the right direction of you know, improving their disclosure, but more importantly, improving the underlying environmental credentials of their buildings. And that is going to be crucial to attract the best tenants, to get the best rents and to maximize value for shareholders. Does geopolitics figure into your decision making as well as far as, um, you know, we're starting to see some governments sort of roll back their carbon emissions targets? Especially with a sort of global footprint that we have, you know, what ESG means in, in different geographies is, is clearly different. Um, uh, you know, I think, I say, there's a bit of sort of carrot and stick. The carrot is it's the, you know, it's the right thing to do and you're going to maximize your your underlying returns from the real estate. The stick is, you know, top-down government pressures. And, you know, there's a balance between the two in, in different regions um, around the world. But I think the direction of travel is pretty clear in most of our markets. And I, I mentioned earlier on that I was going to get you to pull out the crystal ball <laughs> and talk about 2024 and beyond. And we're almost out of time, but I wouldn't mind just sort of spending the next few minutes or so just hearing your views now on 2024, what does it hold for property? Why are you excited? What should we look at, be looking out for? I think as investors, we try and look for inflection points. So, you know, we're looking at that rate of change, that second derivative, you know, where is it improving? Where is it accelerating? Where is it decelerating? 
And I think as we sort of think about the macro backdrop, and again, we don't profess to be macro experts, but it's pretty clear to us that that rate narrative is shifting. Now, you know, maybe there's one more hike, maybe there's two more hikes, maybe there's no more hikes in the, the US, let's wait and see. But the heavy lifting has been done. And in markets like Europe, again, you know, you could argue that we're, we're, we're likely there. Now, with that inflection point, we think there is going to become opportunities for investors to think about, you know, where are we going to be in 12 months time? Are we going to be in an environment where, you know, there's much less talk about sort of, you know, inflationary pressures where we're already in an environment where rates are starting to be cut and which asset classes are going to work in that environment that perhaps have not worked in the last 12 to 24 months. And we certainly think that real estate and listed real estate in particular is going to see a shift in sentiment as um, you know, that rate narrative shifts. And as we take away that sort of headwind of, of, of rising rates from, from central banks, clearly there aren't going to be, there isn't going to be sort of winners across every part of the market and every single company. And we're quite excited about that, that prospect of, you know, say the sort of the macro narrative shifting and finding companies that we think can give us dependable earnings growth, even in a slowing economy, which perhaps starts to look more attractive versus other parts of the equity market. Uh, and then as we, you know, we've spent a bit of time talking about this sort of winners and losers construct. You know, we have seen in the US REIT market a Volume of debt issuance year to date is 30% above the long-term average. It's more expensive than it was, but they're continuing to access debt at a time when others are going to face challenges. Now, again, that is going to create some quite exciting opportunities for our companies to, you know, to do things differently, to expand their portfolios, to you know, harness opportunities from others. Um, so, you know, again, it's not going to be plain sailing. I'm sure it's going to be volatile as it has been over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. Um, but I do think that we are entering a backdrop that is going to be much, much more suited towards the performance of, of listed real estate versus other parts of the equity market. Great. Well, th thank you, Guy. Unfortunately, out of time, but I want to thank you very much uh, for all your thoughts. Um, but also thank you to the audience for listening. So if you wish to learn anything more about Janice Henderson's investment views, uh, if you have any other questions, then please feel free to contact your client relationship manager or visit our website. So with that, I thank you very much for joining and goodbye. REITs or real estate investment trusts invest in real estate through direct ownership of property assets, property shares or mortgages. As they are listed on a stock exchange, REITs are usually highly liquid and trade like shares. Real estate securities, including real estate investment trusts or REITs, may be subject to additional risks, including interest rate, management, tax, economic, environmental and concentration risks. The views presented are as of the date published. They are for information purposes only and should not be used or construed as investment, legal or tax advice or as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation to buy, sell or hold any security, investment strategy or market sector. Nothing in this material shall be deemed to be a direct or indirect provision of investment management services specific to any client requirements. Opinions and examples are meant as an illustration of broader themes, but not an indication of trading intent, are subject to change and may not reflect the views of others in the organization. It is not intended to indicate or imply that any illustration or example mentioned is now or was ever held in any portfolio. No forecasts can be guaranteed and there is no guarantee that the information supplied is complete or timely, nor are there any warranties with regard to the results obtained from its use. Janice Henderson Investors is the source of data unless otherwise indicated, and has reasonable belief to rely on information and data sourced from third parties. Past performance does not predict future returns. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal and fluctuation of value.
Not all products or services are available in all jurisdictions. This material or information contained in it may be restricted by law, may not be reproduced or referred to without express written permission or used in any jurisdiction or circumstance in which its use would be unlawful. Janice Henderson is not responsible for any unlawful distribution of this material to any third parties, in whole or in part. The contents of this material have not been approved or endorsed by any regulatory agency. Janice Henderson Investors is the name under which investment products and services are provided by the entities identified in the following jurisdictions, a. Europe by Janice Henderson Investors International Limited, registration number 3594615, Janice Henderson Investors UK Limited, registration number 906355, Janice Henderson Fund Management UK Limited, registration number 2678531, Henderson Equity Partners Limited, registration number 2606646, each registered in England and Wales at 201 Bishopgate, London EC 2M3AE and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, and Janice Henderson Investors Europe SA. Registration number B22848, at 2 Rue de Bitburg, L1273, Luxembourg and regulated by the Commission de Surveillance du Sector Financier. B, the US by SEC registered investment advisors that are subsidiaries of Janice Henderson Group PLC. C, Canada through Janice Henderson Investors US LLC only to institutional investors in certain jurisdictions. D, Singapore by Janice Henderson Investors, Singapore, Limited, Company Registration number 199700782N. This advertisement or publication has not been reviewed by Monetary Authority of Singapore. E, Hong Kong by Janice Henderson Investors Hong Kong Limited. This material has not been reviewed by the Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong. F. South Korea by Janice Henderson Investors, Singapore, limited only to qualified professional investors, is defined in the Financial Investment Services and Capital Market Act and its sub-regulations. G. Japan by Janice Henderson Investors, Japan, limited, regulated by Financial Services Agency and registered as a financial instruments firm conducting investment management business, investment advisory and agency business and type 2 financial instrument business. H. Australia and New Zealand by Janice Henderson Investors, Australia, limited, ABN 47124279518 and its related bodies corporate including Janice Henderson Investors, Australia, Institutional Funds Management Limited, ABN 16165119531, AFSL 444266, and Janice Henderson Investors, Australia, Funds Management Limited, ABN 43164177244, AFSL 444268, I, the Middle East by Janice Henderson Investors International Limited, regulated by the Dubai Financial Services Authority as a representative office. This material relates to a financial product which is not subject to any form of regulation or approval by the Dubai Financial Services Authority, DFSA. The DFSA has no responsibility for reviewing or verifying any prospectus or other documents in connection with this financial product. Accordingly, the DFSA has not approved this material or any other associated materials nor taken any steps to verify the information set out in this material, and has no responsibility for it. The financial product to which this material relates may be illiquid and or subject to restrictions on its resale. Prospective purchasers should conduct their own due diligence on the financial product. If you do not understand the contents of this material you should consult an authorized financial advisor. No transactions will be concluded in the Middle East and any inquiry should be made to Janice Henderson. We may record telephone calls for our mutual protection, to improve customer service and for regulatory record-keeping purposes. Outside of the US, Australia, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Europe, and UK, for use only by institutional, professional, qualified and sophisticated investors, qualified distributors, wholesale investors and wholesale clients as defined by the applicable jurisdiction. Not for public viewing or distribution. Marketing communication. Janice Henderson, and knowledge shared, are trademarks of Janice Henderson Group PLC or one of its subsidiaries. Copyright Janice Henderson Group PLC. WF, 1123. 444757, 1231 24 TL.